The scripture reading this evening is from the book of Hebrews, chapter 9, the verses 23 to 28. And the theme is, Our Friend on the Throne, the Exalted Christ. He is exalted as the ruler of the world, the head of the church, and the judge of all people. This is uh, found also in Lord's Day 19 of the Heidelberg Catechism, which is in your bulletin, and I will read it after I read Scripture. So Hebrews chapter 9, beginning to read with verse 23. Thus it was necessary for the copies of the heavenly things to be purified by these rites. But the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ has entered, not into holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true things, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. Nor was it to offer himself repeatedly, as the high priest enters the holy places every year with blood not his own. For then he would have had to suffer repeatedly since the foundation of the world. But as it is, he that is Christ has appeared once for all. At the end of the ages to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And just as it is appointed for man to die once and after that comes judgment, so Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. What a glorious truth that is. And now listen to the Heidelberg Catechism as the truth of God is explained, the part in the uh, Apostles' Creed that he, our Lord Jesus, ascended and sits at the right hand of God. Why is there added and sits at the right hand of God? Because Christ ascended into heaven so that he might manifest himself there as head of his church, through whom... The Father governs all things. What benefit do we receive from this glory of Christ, our head? First, that through His Spirit He pours out heavenly gifts upon us, His members. Second, that by His power He defends and supports us against all our enemies. What comfort does the return of Christ to judge the living and the dead give you? What comfort does that give you? And the comfort is this, that in all our affliction and persecution, I may await with head held high the very judge from heaven who has already submitted himself to the judgment of God 
for me and has removed all curse from me and that he will cast all his enemies and mine into everlasting condemnation. But he shall take me together with all his elect to himself in heavenly joy and glory. What a marvelous confession of faith this is. Before we open these great truths of the Lord, let us seek his guidance in prayer. Our Father in heaven, we thank you that our Lord Jesus Christ came. That in the fullness of time, you sent forth your Son, born of a woman, born under the law, that he might redeem us who are under the law. And that Jesus came the just for the unjust to bring us to God. And that God so loved the world that you gave your only begotten Son, that whosoever believes on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Lord, be present with your Spirit this evening. Grant us the unction, the anointing of your Holy Spirit in the proclamation and in the hearing of this glorious gospel. Hear us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Tonight we look at the exalted Christ. The exalted Christ who ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God. And from thence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. Those great truths of Jesus' session at God's right hand and his second coming. These great truths bind together the whole Bible. The entire Bible comes to its climax in the book of Revelation. Nothing is really left hanging. There is a conclusion to history. There is not an everlasting suspense of who will win the battle between right and wrong. That is not in doubt. Christ has come. The eternal God who created everything by the word of his power. And who created man, mankind, upon this earth. And even though man sinned and fell from the glory of God. And fell in rebellion to his creator. God came. To rescue man. He came to bring us back to God. And all of history is under his control. As a matter of fact, the name history means his story. All of history is an unveiling of the story of God of the story of his dealing with people, his dealing with his creation. And it's all going to come to a climax, and God will be all and in all, and Christ Jesus will be vindicated. That even though he was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, even though he was despised and rejected, it will all come to the glorious conclusion that Christ 
is all in all. And that He is the victorious victor over everything else. Truly Christ shall have dominion over land and sea. Earth's remotest regions shall His empire be. Ever and forever shall His name endure long as suns continue. It shall stand secure. And in Him forever all men shall be blessed. And all nations serve Him, King of King confessed. Jesus Christ is Lord of glory. He is the one in whom we live and move and have our being. And as we look at the future, there is going to be a glorious climax to history. Probably most of you have seen the Niagara Falls. That is a dramatic picture of the beauty of God's creation. But did you notice the Niagara River running toward the falls? It is a wild river. There are great rapids as it approaches the falls. And as it approaches the falls, the rapids become more intense until it comes to the precipice and the water flows over the falls. An enormous amount of water. History is like that. History is like that. We are coming toward the precipice. The time when history will come to a final climax. And there are many things that are predicted by Jesus, by the apostles, by the prophets in the Old Testament, about what's going to happen before. And there is a crescendo of events that are going to precede that final great day of the Lord when Jesus shall return on the clouds of heaven and every eye will see Him. That great climax is coming. And the things that happen in that process through which history will go, leading up to that great climactic end, Jesus predicts the apostles, the prophets. There's going to be wars and rumors of wars. There's going to be pestilence and earthquakes and famines. The Apostle Paul says we are living in perilous times in which men are lovers of self more than lovers of God. Where the desire of many will, be, will grow faint. Listen as he speaks and says, In the last days there will be times of difficulty, for people will be lovers of self more than lovers of God, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having appearance of godliness but denying its power. That's all in the rapids 
leading to the climax. And Jesus says, there will be a time when the gospel will be preached to everyone. The fullness is going to come. The fullness. The fullness of evil. The fullness of the elect brought in. And the fullness of the gospel preached throughout the whole world. That fullness is going to happen and come before the end. So we are not going, we are not living in, in times of suspense of how will it all turn out. It's not a question of how it will turn out. We know how it will turn out. That God will have the last word. And that as the apostles and the prophets and Christ Himself says, evil people will wax worse than works, deceiving and being deceived, but the truth will win out. Jesus will win the battle. What a wonderful truth that is. Jesus will conquer. Right now, those, though things don't look all that way, it doesn't look that way. Sometimes it looks like evil will, 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 will prosper and the good will perish. But oh no. It will not turn out that way. In fact, there's going to be a day when everything comes to that final climax. Who's on the throne? Jesus Christ is seated at the right hand of God in power and glory. And what an, what an awesome thing that is. This is the Jesus who gave His life for us, who was condemned by Pontius Pilate so that we might never be condemned. He stood in our place. His blood was shed for us. And therefore there is no condemnation to those in Christ Jesus. And so we can say, my only comfort in life and in death, is that I am not my own, but I belong with my body and my soul unto my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave His life for me, and who delivers me from the tyranny of the devil, and who watches over me day by day, that without His will, not even a hair can fall from my head. And He makes everything serve my salvation. And He gives us His Holy Spirit to assure us of this and make us heartily willing and ready from now on always to live for Him. You see, the Lord Jesus takes care of us from beginning to end. He's got the whole world in His hands. He's got you and me, brother, in His hands. You and me, sister, in His hands. He's got the whole world in His hands. 
Do you know that the slaves in the days of slavery found great comfort in that? That though there was great hatred of them, if they would just mismove, they would be beaten. Their families would be sold down the river. And it looked terrible. And so they found their comfort in the fact that Jesus Christ has got the whole world in His hands. Even these terrible things are in His hands. And they found great joy in the second coming. They sang, Swing low, sweet chariot, coming for to carry me home. The Lord is coming, and He's going to set everything right. What a great truth that is. That's for us too. So our friend is on the throne, and his name is Jesus Christ, who was born of Mary, who suffered under Pontius Pilate, who was crucified, dead and buried, but he rose again. And we're going to celebrate that in a couple of weeks. Up from the grave he arose, a mighty triumph o'er his foes. He arose a victor from the dark domain, and he lives forever the saints to reign. He tore the bars away. Jesus, my Lord, up from the grave He arose. What a great truth that is. You see, we live in that consciousness that Jesus Christ is the great victor. So the friend on the throne, He's the ruler of the world. The Father, the Father governs all things through His Son, through whom God governs. The big things, the little things. He governs your life. He governs the decisions you make. You children, the Lord knows your needs and you are precious in His sight. He governs you. He knows what you're going to do with your life. He knows the person you're going to marry. In fact, He's already got that person selected for you. He knows you through and through. And He loves you. He loves you so much that He gave His life for you. And He's going to care for you. From the moment you are conceived till the moment you die and are going back to Him, He cares for us. What a wonderful truth this is. So our friend on the throne is governing our lives. He governs us. Nothing happens by chance. Isn't that a wonderful comfort? I'll tell you, it's a wonderful, wonderful assurance that Jesus cares for us. He cares for us. So He not only governs the world through His Son, He is also the head of the church. The church is His special, His special friend. He loves His church. He gave His life for His church. 
He gathers His church. He gathered you. He brought you into the fellowship of His body. Jesus gathered you. Our Heavenly Father brought us into the church which is the mother. Our mother is the church. That's what Paul says in Galatians chapter 4. The church is your mother. The church is the one who brings you into a living relationship with the Lord through the gospel that the church preaches. And as a little baby drinks from its mother's breast, so we are in the church and we are fed by the Lord's Word from Lord's Day to Lord's Day. And as the child just yearns for that nourishing food for, for, for growth, so we are to yearn for the living Word of God. Peter says this in 1 Peter 2, As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the Word, that you may grow thereby. So the church is our mother. The church feeds us. The, the church brings us up. The church directs us to the Lord Jesus Christ as our great and wonderful Savior. The church is our mother. And the church is Christ's body. He is the head, we are the members of the, His body. And He leads us and guides us. And He has blessed the church with gifts. Remember Jesus said to His disciples, I'm not going to leave you as orphans when I go to My Father. I will come to you. How did He come to us? How did He come to the church? In the person of the Holy Spirit. On the day of Pentecost, they were all together gathered in one place, and there was the sound of a rushing mighty wind, and it was the Holy Spirit who is Christ with us. Jesus is with us in His Spirit. Even though He ascended bodily, and bodily He is not with us anymore, His body is at the right hand of His Father, but with His Spirit, Godhead, majesty, grace, and power, He is not absent from us for a single moment. And He provided gifts to the church. When He, led, when he, when he ascended into heaven, He led captives in His train and He gave gifts to men. And you know what He gave to us, to the church? He gave prophets and apostles and evangelists and pastors and teachers. That's what He gave to the church. And our search committee is now seeking a senior pastor who will fulfill that promise of Jesus that He would provide for us pastors and teachers. And the Lord knows already who's going to be the senior pastor of our church. 
And He is preparing us for Him and Him for us. And we don't know yet who that is, but the Lord knows. And that's why the search committee is seeking the will of God with prayer and His Word in order to be led to the man of God's choosing. That's a gift that the risen Christ, the ascended Christ, the friend on the throne, is going to provide for us. And what a wonderful thing. Our friend is on the throne. He is guiding us. And He defends us. He defends us from all enemies. Imagine what that must mean to people who love the Lord but are living in countries where there's hostility to the gospel. Think of what it means to the people in Iran who live in a Muslim country (laughs) in which there's great hostility to the gospel. Think of what it means to those living in China or Cuba or other countries where there is not friendliness toward the gospel of Christ, to know that the friend on the throne is the one who's going to defend us from all enemies. He preserves us by His Word and Spirit. He keeps us close to Him. And He says, don't worry. Fear not, little flock, Jesus said to His disciples, for it is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Don't be afraid. Do not be afraid of those who can only harm the body. Fear Him who can cast both body and soul into hell. Fear Him. Fear the Lord. And He will preserve us from all our enemies. And He preserves us without spot or wrinkle. And then, the friend on the throne is the judge. He's the judge of all people. Everyone will appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Everyone. When Jesus was here upon earth, there were those who could avoid Him. They could avoid Him. Let me tell you about someone not in Jesus' day, but in the earlier days of the prophets who tried to hide from God. It was Jonah. He tried to hide from God. God wanted him to go to Nineveh. And he said, oh no, I'm not going to that city. They're enemies of Israel. And so he gets a passage on a ship that was headed in the opposite direction to Tarshish. And he thought he was hidden from God. God can't find me there. And he was in this ship. And as you know from the story in the book of Jonah, a a tremendous storm came upon the sea. And it looked like they were going to die. That the ship would be capsized and everyone would be lost. And the ship captain comes to Jonah who's sound asleep. He thought he'd completely escaped from God. 
And the captain said, hey, what are you sleeping for? Call on your God. And Jonah says, it's because of me the storm is here. The only way to get that storm to end is to throw me into the, into the raging waters. And they said, no, 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 we're not going to do that. Jonah says, that's the only way in which this storm is going to subside, and it's the only way in which this ship will be saved. So reluctantly they took that prophet and threw him overboard, and just that quick the sea turned into a mirror. But there was a fish, a large fish, that swallowed Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights, and in the belly of the fish he prayed to the Lord, and he said, Oh Lord, forgive me! He tried to hide from God, but it was not possible. It's not possible for anybody. In the final judgment, everyone will appear before God. There's a private judgment when a person dies and appears before God. And there's a public judgment when everyone will stand before the Lord. Where, the, where every grave will be opened. The just and the unjust. And they all will appear before the great white throne of God. The book of Revelation says, and then the books will be opened and everyone will be judged according to what was in that, what is written in that book, in those books, whether good or evil. And the Belgic Confession, Article 37, which is one of the biblical, one of the standards of every Reformed church. In Article 37, it describes the last judgment. And it says, then the books will be opened. And the Belgic Confession has in parentheses behind the words, the books, says, that is our consciences. Our consciences will be opened like a book. Now your conscience, you have a conscience and I have a conscience. And our conscience, our subconsciousness and our consciousness is like a tape recorder. It's a recorder. And everything that you and I do Everything we think, everything we say, from when we were the youngest to the day that we pass away, everything is on that tape recorder. It's all there. And when we stand before the judgment seat of Christ, the books will be opened, that is to say, our conscience. And there it will be. Jesus said there's not an idle word that, not, that we will not be held accountable for. 
every idle word, every, every thought, every act that we've ever done, there it is on that tape recorder. And you recall that if an airplane is crashed, the first thing they look for is the black box. What is the black box? It's a recording of everything that happened in that plane. It records the speed, the altitude, everything that's spoken in the cockpit between the the officers of the plane and with the ground crew. Everything is there on that tape. And the inspectors want to know what happened. Well, in the same way, at the last judgment, the, the, the books will be opened, that is our consciences, and there it will all be. What hope do we have? Jesus at the right hand of God is our friend. He gave His life for us. His perfect blood, His perfect righteousness is on the tape recorder of ours. He covers it. Yes, it's true. Our sin will appear more heinous to ourselves at that moment than it did when we did them. But where sin abounded, grace did abound much more. And He poured His blood over our consciences. We're washed in the blood of Jesus so we don't have to be afraid. Isn't that a wonderful thing? What a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. He will take me by the hand, lead me to the promised land. What a day. What a glorious day that will be. So we do not have to be afraid. Nothing can ever separate us from the love of God. Nothing can. What a wonderful truth that is. Oh, may everyone who hears the gospel today respond in faith to Jesus Christ. Today is the day of grace. Today the gospel call is to go out far and wide. May many come to hear the voice of Jesus say, Come unto me, you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly of heart, and I will give rest to your souls. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye body while he is near. He is near now. He's near us right now, and he says, Come to me. Seek ye the Lord while he is near. That he, when he can be found, he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way, and let the unrighteous man forsake his thoughts, and return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy. And to our God, for he will abundantly, 
parted. And everyone said, Lord, bless this word unto our hearts today. We thank you, Heavenly Father, for the gospel of salvation, which is to be brought far and wide. Lord, as we read history, and we can tell we are approaching that day of all days, when Christ Jesus shall return on the clouds of heaven, and every eye will see Him. O Lord, may we be found in Him, not having a righteousness of our own, but only that which is by faith in Jesus Christ. On Christ, the solid rock, I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. O Lord Jesus, I love Thee, I know Thou art mine, for Thee all the follies of sin I resign, my gracious Redeemer, my Savior art Thou, if ever I love Thee, my Jesus, tis now. Receive our praise, our thanks, O Lord, for You are good. You are the overflowing fountain of all good. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.